0: Amos 524 declares, but let justice run down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream flowing abundantly. Welcome to Episode 7 of Iona Speaks about Defending Self-Justice, a platform used for us as women to hear how we can walk in our dominion through the power of voice and the strength of awareness. May this podcast bring hope through enlightenment for every listener on their journey to self-justice in Jesus' name. Previously, we have defined justice and spoke about the power of voice, the overactive thinker, the empowered mother, honoring family values, raising an American son, and the progression of leap years. In this, our seventh episode, we will discuss how self-justice can be attained through the raising of an American daughter. How interesting it is that for centuries, females were treated as second-class citizens, or not even as citizens at all. And in some countries as utterly invisible told what to do how to live who to marry what to say what occupation to ascribe to and how to be yet there were females since the beginning of time who carved out their own slate and many american daughters of african and native american descent made key discoveries in our world as pioneers entrepreneurs educators physicians inventors thought leaders, and so much more. These American daughters forged paths of greatness out of ashes of darkness. There were so many I could both model after and share experiences with my stepdaughter and son, but here are a few. Kamala Harris is not new to making historical contributions in our nation. She was the second African-American United States Senator for California and first United States Senator of South Asian descent. She became the first African-American and first woman to serve as California's attorney general, and she recently made history again by becoming the first black woman of Jamaican and Indian heritage to be nominated on the Democratic presidential ticket as a candidate for vice president. Her parents were involved in the civil rights movement, and she values family and fights to defend the rights for all Americans. Harriet Tudman, Born a slave on the eastern shores of Maryland as Araminta is still one of the most acclaimed and highly regarded abolitionist and influential woman in our nation. Araminta endured the heartaches and enslavement and bondage. She was ripped from the loving arms of her parents, couldn't bear children due to the abuse she suffered, and endured a life-threatening head injury that didn't cripple her, but actually empowered her to hear the voice of God so clearly that she was able to lead hundreds of slaves to freedom, victimized during the transatlantic slave trade, and assist the northern region of our country with their defeat of the South during the Civil War. Therefore, she embodied her birth name as becoming a defender of strength, life, and liberty. Mitzi Copeland was encouraged and it has been encouraging girls to seek out their dreams, live their passion, and make their personal marks in this world, regardless of their age, skin color, unfortunate beginnings, or body type. At the age of 13, she fell in love with the dance modality of ballet. She became the first African-American female principal dancer with the prestigious American Ballet Theater and continues to be a rising star and a true prodigy as she conquers new challenges and lives courageously with integrity, character, and discipline. Reese Taylor, an African-American woman who was walking home with a small group during the early morning hours after worshiping at a church service, was singled out and brutally gang-raped by several men, yet she refused to be silent about the crime inflicted upon her. Although she wasn't the first African-American woman raped during the segregated South where Jim Crow laws ruled that vigorously protected the white men who commonly were identified as perpetrators of these heinous crimes, she was the first to stand up and not back down, even though she, her family, and her children's life and livelihood were repeatedly threatened to death. She, along with the assistants, the Civil Rights Movement and Rosa Parks, Never wavered from telling the truth of what really happened to her, even though the justice system tried on multiple occasions to silence her and make her out to be the offender rather than the one who was actually victimized. She never stopped fighting for herself justice and justice for other African American women who were raped repeatedly and unfortunately didn't commonly receive justice through an inequitable system for themselves. Deborah Holland. Congresswoman for New Mexico and 35th generation enrolled member of the Pueblo Laguna tribe with Yamez Pueblo heritage, is a woman of great character and substance as well as a faithful and committed single mother. She is the daughter of a Marine veteran and a Navy veteran. She seeks justice for indigenous populations, women, and children. She became the first Native American woman to be elected to lead a state party and she is a community organizer who has worked in both presidential campaigns to elect President Obama and used her varying experiences to reach out to those populations who are underrepresented and often forgotten about during the election process when it was necessary for a change to be enacted in how our country now needed to be governed. Gertrude Simmons Bonnin, AKA Zitkala Shah, was a Native American woman of the Yankton Sioux Tribe Dakota Nation and was instrumental in having the status of Native Americans changed from being wards of the federal government to citizens of the United States. She, along with other women, white, black, and indigenous, spoke about the benefits and necessities of having Native Americans be accepted equally in the nation they lived in while still gaining independence as members of the sovereign nation that boldly speaks of their heritage. Although she fought for the passing of the 19th Amendment, allowing women who were citizens the right to vote, she also advocated for its ratification as many Native Americans were not included in this amendment because they weren't even considered United States citizens. She was a leader in the suffrage movement so that all women would have equal and fair rights, and emphasized the hypocrisy that the first Americans lacked the rights that all Americans were supposed to have. Dr. Susan LaFleche-Picotte became the first Native American physician in the United States after she was inspired as a child when she witnessed the refusal of a doctor to provide medical treatment to a dying woman in her tribe just because of her race. She led a prevention campaign against tuberculosis prior to it even being a cure and opened a hospital that is presently a museum dedicated to the work and history of both the Omaha and Winnebago tribes. Sacagawea, a Limhi Shoshani woman in the Agateka tribe was kidnapped at the age of 12 by another tribe and then sold to a French Canadian trader to be his wife bear his children, and manage his household at 12. It was during this time that she was also commanded to accompany her husband on the Lewis and Clark expedition as an interpreter. Not only was she a key translator and communicator with her tribe and other tribes along this expedition, she assisted her travelers in keeping them alive during their torrential trip and threats of harm in the discovery of the Louisiana Territory. Maria Tallchief was the first Native American to earn the rank of premier ballerina, first American to perform at Bolshoi Theater in Moscow, was director of ballet at Chicago Lyrics Opera, and was awarded a Kennedy Center Honor for her lifetime achievements. During the ballet of Fireboard, she wore a feather in her head to pay tribute to her grandfather, who also was known for wearing a feather in his head where she did a move that she called the back layout, which was so dramatic in highlighting her skill, her control, and flexibility that the feather actually touched the floor, which would garner so many applause from the audience every time she did this. And last but not least, Frances Cuffy Green, affectionately known as Grammy, a wise sage in the Shinnecock Indian tribe, An elder who inspired greatness in all who knew her was my great-grandmother. She shared stories of her heritage and life, the power of family and respect towards others, that would be greatly influential. She was resilient. She was dignified. She lived by integrity. She lived with great faith in God and was an inspiration to many because she never mixed words as she spoke truth. As Proverbs 31 8 and 9 decrees, open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are unfortunate and defenseless. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and administer justice for the afflicted and needy. Grammy, all of these women mentioned, and so many more were and are American daughters who used their voices and continuously inspire us in how we are to raise our daughters so that they are always able to receive equal and fair treatment. Raising an American daughter in the lesser-than-dominant race has its challenges and its great rewards because we can use the experiences of both past and present contributors as well as our own experiences To demonstrate how regardless of race ethnicity and gender a daughter can excel past how the world might define her and help other daughters and sons see and embrace their gifts so that they can experience their own journeys and make changes that both impact and echo through generations when i was told as a child by a white male premier ballet dancer that i didn't have the body type to be a ballerina yet was encouraged by my white gymnastics teacher that I could be anything I wanted to be. I pursued my passion of being a gymnast, using a variety of dance techniques to do what I loved. When a white teacher told me that my hairstyle was too ethnic because of my braids and beads, my mother with all her sassiness said that there are times that call for assimilation and there are times that call for you to be yourself. This is one of those times to be yourself. And with her constant presence at the school, there were a great number of teachers who boldly supported my sister and I in our academic and athletic ventures, even through the ignorance of some other teachers, thus empowering me to wear my braids and beads with confidence and learn how to speak up for myself when it was necessary. As I have mentioned in earlier podcasts and earlier episodes, it truly does take a village to raise a child because different yet agreeable voices are stronger together than they are apart. As women and mothers, when we are in position to fulfill our purposes, we are able to demonstrate to our children how to fulfill theirs. We lead by example and our children are eager receptacles that follow. Therefore, it's important for us to model positive images of behavior that reinforce strength through stability for them in challenging situations. For example, during a time of social injustices and racial inequalities, our children are watching our decision-making, listening to our responses, and waiting for permission to act. While driving through the back roads of Pennsylvania on our way from Maryland to upstate New York, my husband and I were pulled over while our children were in the back seat. When my husband stopped our vehicle, he immediately put his hands on the wheel so that they were visible. As the police officer began to tell us that he had been following us for the past 15 miles, it was clear that we were being racially profiled. As the roads were windy and hilly, the conditions were not conducive to speeding. My husband responded in a humble yet confident tone as he answered the officer's questions and would tell the, officers what, the officer what he was doing before he did it. Although we were given a speeding ticket, even though we clearly weren't speeding due to the mountainous road, we had to comply with the numerous questions being asked of us about where we were traveling and the reasons we chose this route to get to our destination. Our adolescent daughter and toddler son were watching quietly in the back seat. When the police officer released us and gave us permission to continue on our trip, we use this opportunity to explain to our children, specifically our daughter, what just happened, how to respond when something like this may happen, and ask them about what and how they were feeling regarding this experience. My stepdaughter was articulate about what she saw, and was appreciative as to how her father, my husband, demonstrated wisdom because she was scared, as she realized we were stopped with no merit. Our son remained playful while I engaged with him during the interaction with the patrol officer as he was still a toddler and didn't fully grasp what was happening. So he only asked, why were we stopped? And our reply was sometimes police officers will stop you just because they want to and because they can. So it's important to know how to respond. It was a powerful experience for my stepdaughter to be able to see how her father would handle and could handle social injustice through racial profiling. Something that even if she doesn't articulate ever again will always be remembered because actions are louder than words. Therefore, as we raise our American daughters during this historical period in time, let us never cease to be transparent with our experiences Share the prevalence of our experiences, both the successes and challenges. Demonstrate to our daughters and sons who they are to be and what they can accomplish. And provide for them a blueprint of excellence as we share the life, legacies, tragedies, victories, failures, and triumphs of those who've paved the way for them to embrace and excel in their own personal journeys. As we conclude this episode, I trust that every woman and mother listening be empowered to walk in their dominion as they realize there is value in their life through all of their experiences so that they can become the defenders of self-justice for themselves. Thank you for listening to Iona Speaks about defending self-justice and have a prosperous and powerful week.